What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show. Now, before we go ahead and get started, I want to go ahead and tell you guys about Disrupt Week. Now, Disrupt Week is an amazing, amazing event. It's a week-long, yes, you heard me right, a week-long networking entrepreneurship-based event in San Juan, Puerto Rico. My God, you want to go network with somebody? Go network in paradise. Network in San Juan, Puerto Rico. From October 19th to October 26th, Disrupt and Build Your Empire are hosting this event, Disrupt Week, to help bring 50-plus speakers and 500-plus attendees together to network and make the world a better place. Now, if you want to come to this event and listen from speakers like Anthony Delgado, Chris Delgado, <clears throat> Casey Adams, John Malott, Alex Quinn... Uh, Sam Bakhtiar, Stephen Campolo, the list goes on and on and on and on. If you want to hear from people like this, go ahead and hit me up in my DMs on Instagram at Chase underscore Henderfit. Let's go to Puerto Rico, baby. Let's make it happen. Now, that's it for that. Let's continue on with the show. Welcome to the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show, where we speak with elite individuals and top performers and sing what it takes to stay healthy and get wealthy. Are you ready to be elite? Are you ready to be part of the 1%? Well, then without further ado, let's get it. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show. Today, I have another amazing guest. We have a doctor on the show. Yes, you heard right, a doctor. He is the co-owner of Epic Leisure Management, a virtual personal trainer. Awesome concept. I can't wait for you guys to hear about this. He is the host of Dr. D's podcast, and he is a proud father. Please help me welcome Dr. Darian Parker. Dr. Parker, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Chase, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it, man. Oh, absolutely. I know we got connected a couple months ago and you know we, yeah. we had such a great first conversation. I knew I had to have you on eventually. Yeah, man, of course. I, I love being on other people's podcasts and I like doing my own, but it's just another way to sharpen your kind of verbal skills as a person, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I agree with that 100%. I, I know that you know, growing up for me, I was always someone who was very introverted and shy and I didn't like talking to people, mm. uh, especially like one-on-one conversation was the worst. <laughs> so doing the, actually, you know, doing the podcast, part of it was kind of selfish because I knew I needed to develop that skill. Um, and do, doing this has helped tremendously. I mean, I'm now I'm able to have one-on-one conversations like this for hours at a time and it doesn't drain me like it used to. So yeah, very good point there. So what'd you, why'd you start doing a podcast? What was your reasoning behind it? Uh, well, so that was one reason. Uh, another one was I saw, you know, a lot of people had podcasts and it was a good way to use as a personal brand. But the more Mm -hmm. important thing that I saw from the bigger podcasts was that they were using it to, uh, network with just named individuals to kind of, uh, propel themselves within their own field or their own space. Uh, it was a way to kind of connect with people. Cause I know, you know, on social media, you see pictures and videos and texts and whatever. But I feel that one of, the more, one of the more intimate ways of connecting with someone is through voice. So you can really, under, you know, because once you hear someone's voice, you feel that there's another level of human interaction there. So you yes. can kind of relate better yes. to somebody. Totally agree. I, I'm a big networker and a big, big proponent of speaking to people. And so I spend, I've been on net, LinkedIn for like 12 years, a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of people are like, it was it was around back then. <laughs> you know? I was going to say, you're a pioneer. I know, and I got on it super early. And I was like, oh, this is my, this is like my area. Like, this is what I want to do to connect with people. I had all the other social media, and I, I deleted it. I got rid of it because it just wasn't serving. It didn't feel authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And so LinkedIn has always felt very professional. 
more authentic and I've been able to help a lot of people on there and just create like lasting connections with people. Right. So when it comes to LinkedIn, what was your, your main purpose behind it? Cause I know you say you're, you're you love networking with people and it's a great place to go network, but what was the big purpose behind joining LinkedIn and you know, what you're doing with LinkedIn now? I think the big purpose for me is just, I like helping people. I really enjoy, I know a lot of people say that, um, but it's kind of a cliche thing. Oh, I'd love to help people, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but for me, I've been able to help people get jobs all across the United States. When I worked for um, a high-end luxury consulting and management company and spa fitness and wellness. So it was a good way to like get jobs for people. And the other thing was just, what I primarily do now is just I like promoting other people's stuff that not necessarily even their business, just who they are as human beings. And then focusing on like, hey, this is a person that's worthwhile for you to spend time with, like on the phone. Or, you know, I have lots of connections on LinkedIn where I'll find them in different uh, cities. So, well, they'll be in the same city. And I'll say, hey, you guys live next to each other. You need to connect with each other in person and have coffee together or something, a cocktail. And they, and they do. And they're like, this is awesome. They're like connecting people together all over the world. Like we can't lose it. We're losing our sense of connection these days. And we need to speak to each other more than, more than ever. I a hundred percent agree with that. I actually had a conversation with a buddy of mine yesterday about that same thing. We were talking uh, about, you know, social media is fantastic because the whole the, the way I see social media is that the point of it was to help us get more interconnected. But if anything, it's pushed us all away from each other. We're all connected, yeah. but we're not, it's not the same human connection. And now it's a yeah. connection. So it's, it's, it's very disingenuous nowadays. So getting to talk to somebody on, uh, you know, being vulnerable and open and having yeah. a personal connection with someone is just, it's so rare nowadays. Well, see, I'm, I'm in my 40s, so I remember, I'm 41, I remember it was like to not have any stuff and to like have to go to like, I've said this before, go to a payphone and put in a quarter and remember somebody's number, and type, you, know, <laughs> you know, and you're like waiting and stuff and maybe busy, you know, there's, it's different, you know, but you yeah. seem like a pretty young dude, like you probably grew up with all this stuff. You know? oh, I, yeah, I had everything. I mean, I remember <laughs> middle school, it was the, the flip phones were the cool thing where everybody wanted uh, a flip phone. And then by the time we hit towards the end of middle school and beginning of high school, that's when the, you know, the iPhone started to become big and we yeah. all a screen and everything. And it's been crazy. Man, I had none of that. I mean, I remember <laughs> the first computer I got was in like the eighties, like the mid eighties. And it was like a Tandy computer, like a uh, PC. Oh, yeah. And you had to like type in like directives for it to do anything, but like MS-DOS direct. It was like weird. What? <laughs> and you couldn't even like, if you got the internet, it would like, it was an AOL. And AOL is so old. <laughs> I, was I, like that. I had an AOL uh, email address, so I remember AOL. <laughs> it's crazy because oh, like... <laughs> You are online now, you know, <laughs> and it would like the page would take like 10 minutes to load one page. It was so frustrating. Oh my gosh. It was so frustrating. <laughs> so like I had a pager too at one point. So I was like had paging people. Like I was like a doctor or something back then, <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> it was so ghetto, man. I was like, why do I have a pager? This is stupid, man. You know, it was like a Motorola pager. It was so popular back then so like i was i grew up through all those different technologies 
And now I think all this technology is separating us from each other in a weird way. And it wasn't intended for that, but people I think have, have kind of made it that way. You know, they're like, oh, I'll text you. Like, how about you just call me? <laughs> you know? Right. Or let's have this conversation, which you can get more accomplished in this conversation than you could in like texting for days and days oh, with somebody. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I still text a lot, but yeah, sure. If you like have a genuine question for me, if you want to have like an actual conversation, call me because it, it, it's a conversation like we're going back and forth. If we were texting all this right now, we'd be like three days into it. So yeah. <laughs> it takes forever. Then you're waiting on the bubbles to pop up on the screen. You're like, okay, what are they texting? How long is this going to take? You know? Oh, God, that's the worst. The bubbles pop up, then the bubbles go away. It's like, what? And they disappear. Exactly. Did, they say, did somebody else get in touch with them? Did they disappear? You know, it's like a whole thing, you know? <laughs> it's weird stuff. It's weird living in this time to me, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely very, very different. And, you know, but I mean, you've, you've taken hold of that. You've taken hold of the change yeah. and the difference in the technology and everything. You know, what something that I mentioned in your intro, I thought was just super interesting from the first time we met is that you're a virtual personal trainer. Yeah, I uh, never had any intentions to do it. I have been training people for almost 20 years. And probably for 18 of it was all in person It was all in person. And you know, I had most of my clients are more of your, your higher end wealthy luxury clientele. So on vacation for like two, three months at a pop. And I'd be like, man, we're just missing out on all these sessions. So I said, how about we try the technology that's available, like Skype, WhatsApp, you know, FaceTime, stuff like that, now Zoom. And they loved it. But, you know, I never did it that often. And then when I decided to start my spa and consulting business, spa, fitness, uh, recreation, consulting business and management, I moved up here to Washington State. And I had a lot of clients. And I didn't want to lose them. And they didn't want to lose working with me. So I said, let's just do this full time. And most of them, I say 90% of them stayed with me. And then they grew over the country, like, hey, this is awesome. You don't have to be you know, in person, you could, you know, we can do this technology, like daring to work with you wherever you're at in the United States, wherever. And uh, so it's become actually a pretty big business for me, but I think it's not for every trainer, honestly. It's mm-hmm. because it, it, it's, uh, it, you have to have a level of charisma to it. Like we're talking, we're going back and forth, you know, like a lot of people on podcasts, they don't do well if there's no structure. Right. Yeah. Like, give me the, I have people all the time, like on my podcast, give me the, can you give me the questions ahead of time? I'm like, I don't have any questions. Yeah. I've had a couple I don't of know. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know the questions until I start speaking to you. Then I know what I want to tell you because I'm, I listen, I hear what you tell me like, Oh, that interests me. Let me ask about that. And the virtual space is a lot like that. When you're doing live, just like this with training people, you have to entertain people. Because you're not like in a gym where there's music going on, other patrons there, people get distracted. Oh, they're going to go get a water break. They walk away from you and stuff. You're in this barrel, this gun with two people staring at each other, looking at each other. It's very intimate. And the people that I know have done it also, they say the same thing. It's more intimate than being in person with somebody, which is strange to say. (laughs) So it's different. That's wild. And I see your face. You're like, really? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's way more intimate. 
than you would think it is because you're happy because it's quiet. There's no music. It's just two people. One of them is telling them what to do with the exercise progression. The other person's doing it. And then we're having like, we have AirPods, all of my right. clients generally. So even if I send them 10, 15 yards down, you know, wherever at, they can still hear me speaking to them. So I have to keep them engaged. I have to keep them entertained while they're also doing their exercise and we're keeping a conversation going while I'm training with them. Whereas in person, you can fade from that conversation very easily Oh yeah, for that. So it's actually part, part charisma entertainment and, and the actual physical exercise part. So if you're bad on camera, you won't be good at doing that service. Gotcha. So there's like a level of self-awareness that comes with wanting to take that kind of leap then. Yeah. And I know a lot of trainers were trying to do it like in the uh, online program design. So they don't, when somebody says they train somebody online, I always say, well, we may not be doing the same thing because mine is a live format, just like you and I are live right now doing this. It's the same exact thing, except add in exercise with it, you know, right. but a lot of trainers were online, just do online pro. program design where they send them to the clients and then the client then the client can kind of check in on email or text throughout the week or call them if they have questions so there's really no accountability honestly and and a lot of trainers do it to scale so they try to get like you know 50 60 70 clients per se they're not training them really but they just provide a program and then they just basically monitor these programs I still wanted to train people. I still want to actually do the service. So that's why I like the live format. I don't want to write somebody a program that I don't even know who they are. I mean, you're just sending some random person a program. There's no personal connection. It's a lot like the internet. It's very impersonal. <laughs> it's just people sending each other a bunch of stuff. It's very impersonal. Yeah. Mm. Well, I was pretty long-winded, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Hey, the more the, more the merrier. That's awesome. So what got you into like the fitness realm as a whole? Like what was the big motivation to really be in this kind of industry? It was funny. I ask people that question all the time. <laughs> so I have to answer it myself. <laughs> um, I think for me, I always, I was grew up an athlete, which is fairly common for a lot of people in fitness. You know, they were played sports and stuff. And um, I grew up in a very athletic family and I just always felt like exercise was very natural for me. Mm -hmm. I always like doing it. I used to go to the gym with my dad when I was a little kid all the time and just being around it, you know, whether it was in like intramural basketball leagues or softball, then we lift weights. You know, this is in the eighties. I'd watch my dad lift weights and stuff like that. And I just really liked it. And then when I started playing competitive sports, it was just like, I like that. It's part of the sports aspect, the exercise. I didn't mind practicing and stuff like that and the fitness portion of it. And then I got a scholarship to run track at James Madison University. And that's where I started studying uh, kinesiology. And so I was just like, that's when I knew, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm gonna be doing with my life. I'm gonna be in exercise in some way, shape or form. So that was the genesis of it. You know? Awesome, that's the heck of a progression. And what, what caused you to like, because there's a lot of people who go into kinesiology or, you know, exercise physiology, whatever you, whatever name you want to put. Um, and they go the baseline or they might go to the master's and doctorate level. You, you went full, you, you went full, you know, mm -hmm. 
what was the, you know, what was the motivation to go the entirety of the way as opposed to just, you know, going with the black bachelors and then just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Most people I know who are trainers. They just, they may have a bachelor's degree. Maybe. Right. Um, a lot of trainers who don't have any education. Um, but it wasn't, it was always something I was going to do on the side. So it was never like my main thing. like all people 20 years in it's not like it was my goal <laughs> right. my goal was like initially i wanted to be a coach like i wanted to coach track and field so once i my eligibility was over i ended up becoming a full-time track and field coach for the same college that i went to and while i liked it i just wasn't interested in working like 80 hours a week and traveling every weekend i was right. like even at that age like my early 20s i was like this blows <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to have a life. I want to actually do explore other interests and stuff. So I was like, man, what am I going to do? And I was in my master's degree when I was doing that. Cause I figured I might as well get more education while I'm working, doing this. And, uh, and then my mother convinced me to get my doctorate. Actually, I had no plans for that. But when she came to my graduation, we were watching the doctoral students walk across the stage. And my mom goes, I bet you could do that. And I was like, really? Yeah, she, I bet you can get your doctorate. And uh, <laughs> I was like, is this a challenge? Like, <laughs> it's like a pretty little subtle slide in there. Yeah, like, I bet you could do that. You know, like just slid that in there. And then I just started thinking about it. And I, I listened to my mom. She's intelligent. And I said, you know what? I'm not ready to enter the workforce yet completely. And I decided to apply to a bunch of programs. And I got into several Actually, it was crazy as I got into the University of New Orleans, which is right there. It happened, it was, I got in, and then right after that, Hurricane Katrina happened. So I avoided that. I didn't know that I was avoiding that, right? I'd have been down there, I would have been right in the thick of Hurricane Katrina. So I decided, I didn't know that was going to happen, but anyways, I decided to go to University of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV, <clears throat> to do my doctorate there in sports education leadership. And uh, I'm glad I did my doctorate, but honestly, this is the honest truth. I would have gone to a different school. Honestly, it wasn't a great uh, experience for me. I like to be real honest and I don't like to fluff stuff with people. I want to be transparent. I don't care if these people ever listen to this or not. If they listen, I don't care. It was not a good experience for me. My professors, I didn't think were very good for what I was looking for. And it was just a very cold environment. Whereas when I went to James Madison University for my bachelor's and master's, and it was a very warm, loving, inviting environment. It's an awesome school. Huge shout out to JMU. UNLV is nice, but it's a, it's a young school. I feel like they're still finding their way. And I think that was probably part of the problem is they're just finding their way. And a huge emphasis on research in a school often doesn't equate to Having students, that's just my opinion. But I completed my degree because once I started it, I was not going to stop it. And that led me to, um, you know, getting my doctorate. So even if you're a trainer, you do not need a doctorate. But right. I just felt like, you know, why not? You know? It adds you know, to the credibility. I'll tell you that. Yeah, exactly. I, I wasn't ready to work. Honestly, I wasn't ready to work. I was not ready to have a regular job and get out there, I felt I needed more seasoning as a person. 
And I was also thinking of becoming a professor in the university system. And that just felt too bureaucratic to me. Um, too much emphasis on research, not enough on teaching. So personal training, I was personal training the entire time through that. And I was like, I'm going to stick with this, man. This has always been good to me. <laughs> you know, so, and I ended up doing that, but then I got into luxury fitness management. I did that for like 12 years. I was the national director for a uh, uh, consulting management company for the entire United States for their programming. So I ended up getting like a lot of experience in fitness and I was like, fitness is my thing. That's what I'm doing. I'm just doing fitness. You know? Right. No, it's an awesome field to be in. I mean, I haven't been in it for very long. I'm still yeah. my bachelor's, but you know, even then, you know, the experience I've gotten from that and then doing, uh, you know, having my own personal brand within social media outlets as being like fitness guy. Yeah. I love it. I mean, actually same story as you. I, I went through, I mean, not the exact same, but you know, I'm sure sports in college or uh, high school. I wish I did in college. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Sports <laughs> in high school ended up breaking my leg twice. So, Oh uh, man. Yeah, not ideal. But uh, it was actually <laughs> after I broke it the second time, my doctor looked at me. They were both sports injuries, and he looked at me. He goes, "One, you're never going to play sports again, and two, you should never lift weights ever because you're just going to mess things up." And I'm, wow. I'm kind of stubborn, so like if someone tells me like you can't do something, I'll be like, "Bet, I think yeah. I can." And actually, it was it was funny. About a year and a half later, I took a picture of me at the time. I don't know how I did it, but I was. I, I took a picture of me squatting like 365 mm -hmm. and I sent it to him and he just sent bags like, Oh my God. It's <laughs> crazy. And after that point I knew like, this is it. Like I love fitness. This has been an obsession of mine. I need to be here. So like, I'm kind of, you know, mentality is kind of pretty close. Yeah. To me as well, well just, you think it's weird. Like your doctor's telling you not to lift weights. I mean, yeah. like <laughs> how foolish is that? I mean, that's right. just like, yeah, doctors are often some of the worst people of taking care of their bodies. You know, like, you, you know, we revere doctors and, and you revere lawyers and all. You know, like, doctors especially, I mean, I actually train a lot of doctors and they're wonderful people, but they often don't have very much knowledge in the way of the human body the whole body, they have knowledge in a very tiny area of the human body, which often is something pathological. It's not exactly like the adaptations of exercise. So they actually have very little knowledge when it comes to exercise. And then they, you know, then to tell you, oh, you know, Chase, don't lift any weights. Really? That's, that's just like terrible to say. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to call it out. That's what I do with my podcast. I say whatever. I'm like, you know what? I accept the consequences. If somebody wants to get on me about it, good, let's talk about it then. But I think it's foolish. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you know. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Cause it's like, uh, I've noticed within, you know, a lot of in the medical field, they don't place enough emphasis on body mechanics and on nutrition. It's all on, uh, you know, path, you know, pathology, pharmacology, all that. Yeah. And you know, a, a pill or a procedure could help. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of, know medications and surgeries i do very very well for a lot of people but there are some sure. things that can be reversed through diet and exercise and that's one thing yeah. you know i learned through doing my certification through ace actually an awesome yeah. organization it was like one of the i like ace yeah. was that you could you, there's a lot of things that can be reversed through just moving doing exercise eating yeah. there's it's, it's it's crazy 
and it's not emphasized enough in the medical system, which I think is pretty flawed. So, so I'm, I'm right, yeah. you're in college right now. Yes, sir. Right. You so you're taking like all of the kinesiology courses and things of that nature. Right. So, you know, this is going to happen. Like I have a podcast, so I'm going to treat it like I'm doing my podcast too, a little bit. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. ask you questions too, man. <laughs> if some, some, I love when people do podcasts and then I have them on my show because then it turns into like a dual interview at the same time. Right. You know, type of thing. <laughs> so like you're doing coursework for that. I mean, what is the challenges of that coursework, you know, that you're seeing currently? Like, you know, what are you liking the most about your program and not liking the most? I mean, you might be calling out your program on some of these things, but yeah, that's fine. You know, I've, I've they need to know, man. Very public. So like, yeah, they need to know. I used to tell my teachers like this, I'm not using this stuff, you know, like, right. come on. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, like the, honestly, one of the only courses that's actually been beneficial was um, the course I took with Dr. Ashmore when she was here for like a semester. Cause that was yeah. the only one she where she was like very in tune with, Hey, so like, you're going to use this for being in this industry. And like, if you want to be in business in this industry, here's how you apply it. And it was like, it was yeah. very informative to what I needed. Everything else, yeah. been, it's, it's skewed. So medical. It's so medical here. Really? It's, Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of infuriating. Um, mm. I know a lot of friends who have dropped from the major or switched majors because, um, because of how heavily medical it was and they expected to actually get, you know, yeah. physiology material. And we do, you know, to an extent, but then it's all, we're tested on a medical basis. Like you have a patient that comes in, they have this, this, and this, you read their graph. I'm like, I'm not going to have a patient. I'm not going to read this <laughs> equipment. Why do I care? So it's like, I don't like, give me a test on like, Give me, give me a VO2 max test. I'll do that. I know yeah, how to yeah, do that. Yeah. Everything else right. is like, I don't need to read this. This is, I don't know. It's yeah, good. that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of, like when I was going through school, I, I went through the uh, ACSM curriculum for mm -hmm. exercise leadership. That's, that's what <laughs> I'm doing right now for yeah. uh, medical more so though. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I ended up getting certified through the NSCA. I really like it, but I was sitting there, we're like doing these laboratory tests and I'm like, okay, we're doing VO2 max, submaximal tests, you know, we're doing the Wingate tests, all these things. And I'm like, why are we doing this? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I mean, they're not teaching me anything at all about how to actually work with somebody. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, I could run the hell out of a test, you know, I'm, I could take your blood pressure amazingly well. Right. I mean, you know, we got the dual stethoscope. I'm, you know, <laughs> I literally just got tested on that yesterday. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Like, you know, we could do like hermetocrit and all this stuff, you know, I'm yeah. like, great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But it's like, how many times are you working in a hospital setting with somebody? I mean, I don't know. I, it's just, it was infuriating. And then while I loved my professors and my bachelors and masters, you know, none of those people were actually in the business. They, didn't, they weren't trainers. So they had never trained a person. So nobody could actually teach me how to do the actual job of training somebody. I yeah. literally had to learn that on my own. <clears throat> had on my own, just mm -hmm. by doing it, which yeah. is, that's not the best way to learn. You know, I mean, you could best, it is good to learn while doing stuff, but like you're in school, you would think they would teach you that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's, it's funny because in the description of one of my classes now, we're, we're actually going through the ACSM curriculum is- yeah you can use this to apply to personal training and no one in the whole program is a personal trainer. I, <laughs> I'm, a, yeah. I'm the personal trainer. Everybody in the class too, they're like, 
uh, what was it? I can't remember the, uh, oh yeah. The teacher's like, oh, so who, like, what's everybody trying to do? Who's trying to go to medical school? And then yeah. people raise hands. Who's trying to go to PT school? Raising their hands. Yeah. I hadn't raised my hand yet. They're like, oh, what, what do you, what do you want to do? I'm like, oh, well, I'm not a personal <laughs> trainer. So I'm really hoping this class helps. <laughs> it's just no one. <laughs> Nobody, man. Nothing. Training's, training's often a last ditch profession for a lot of people. It's kind of the last stop on the train. It's, everybody's going to physical therapy school, you know, going to medical school. And uh, I don't begrudge them. And, you know, you got to do what you want to do. And that's fine if you want to do that. But if you're going to have something that you say is going to help with personal trainers, you might want to have it get trainers to actually come to that school or, you know, get people who are really interested, cater to that. I used to teach in a um, personal training school. So that was the other thing I did. I taught in the um, vocational side, because there's a lot of schools now that you can just go to for personal training specifically. And it's like a year long and it's like a crash course, like five week classes and all that stuff. <clears throat> and everybody there is like a trainer. Like you're actually learning from people who train, but then also a lot of the people who are teaching you don't have a lot of education either. So you're kind of screwed on the other end <laughs> with it. So you're not, you don't get any, not a lot of theory and, you know, and I think one of the biggest problems with these programs, they don't put enough psychology into them. It needs to be more psychological aspects to these programs because you're dealing with human beings and mm -hmm. their personalities. That's James Madison had a great program. I had a shrink for six months as part of my program. I took basic counseling school skills, public speaking, like it was awesome for oh, me yeah. for that. Yeah, I had I had one course too. It was a exercise exercise psychology, and mm -hmm. there was four people in the class. Apparently, this is a class that no four? one four. Like four. <laughs> I'm surprised. I, no, five. It was five because the, the university minimum for a class to go through is five. There were five. Wow. Of them. And, um, uh, probably that one. And then, you know, Dr. Ashmore's class, those two are my favorite yeah. class because they're the ones that applied, you know, cause I knew, yeah. cause for me, you know, a lot of people, they see fitness as, you know, it's 50% nutrition, 35% exercise and percent yeah. supplements or whatever the split is. But yeah. for me more so it's 50% mindset and like psychology of everything. And the other 50% is nutrition, fitness, uh, yeah. whatever. Like it's a huge part of it is it's just making sure that you understand how to, <laughs> interact with people i actually uh dr ashmore so funny i forgot that uh she sent you to me <laughs> i totally <Yeah>. forgot <laughs> i was like wait a minute how do you know amy i was like oh man <laughs> and i actually met her in person in, in vegas we had a nice meeting in vegas oh cool and yeah. then i had her on my podcast and uh she cracks me up man Oh, yeah. She's just like so infuriated by stuff. It cracks me up. And it's just like, there's no career path for fitness people. That's the big problem. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. <laughs> it's like, you know, you become, if you go to school to be a massage therapist, there's a national board, there's a pathway, you know, fitness is like, you can, it's like a, it's like a house with a bunch of holes in it. And you can yeah. go in all these different holes and become a trainer. You know, it's like leaky faucets everywhere. It's right. too easy. It's too easy to be in our profession. Right. So I think for me, like having my doctorate just adds another layer of credibility. And I, I'm not like a, a stiff person as a doctorate. I mean, I don't look basically like a flat top. I have blacking tattoos and stuff. And that was kind of my purpose. Cause I don't, I don't want to look like the people who taught me. 
I want, I don't want to look conservative. I just want to be myself. Now there's nothing wrong with them. I just, I wanted to break the mold, the mold for what, and I grew up like you had, you looked a certain way when you had a doctorate. It was very like pocket protector, you know, and you had like the, the pens in there <laughs> or like this blazer. And I was like, no, I, that's not me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna prescribe to that, you know, subscribe right. to that. So I just wanted to be different, but you know, it does provide a lot of credibility because people see it and they go, wow, this guy must know what he's talking about. I'm like, well, yeah, maybe I could just be very intelligent and then horribly inconsiderate, <laughs> you know, right. or, or a bad personality to you, you know, but I like to think I have the best of both things for me, you know. Right. No, absolutely. You definitely do. You're very charismatic. And I know you know Thanks. you're doctorate. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I just try to have fun. Like for me, training so long. You know, most of my clients I've had for many, many years. I mean, my longest running client is going to be 13 years coming up here. And I think people ask me, how do you have people for such a long time? You know, and I'm just like, just try to be a good person to them. I try to be nice to them. I try to understand what they're going through. Like, in fact, the, I had a guy today who was trying to sell his house and he lives in a very affluent neighborhood. This house is worth a tremendous amount of money, but he's, because it's so expensive, it's sometimes very difficult to sell really, really expensive house, houses in the million plus range, you know? Right. So he's so frustrated about it. And, you know, he's just, I can sense it during the session, you know? So I said, you know, I got to help my friend. He's a friend of mine. He's not just my client. Most of my clients are friends of mine. I'm going to help him out. So I, I know lots of high-end real estate agents. So, you know, I connected him with one of my, really tight real estate connections who deals with price homes and those price ranges. And, you know, they're meeting this afternoon and hopefully, you know, things will change and he'll get it sold. But that's like the extra effort to take. It's like, Hey, I don't have to do that. It's just, I want to, I don't, I want to help a friend of mine, a client of mine who I feel very strongly about. And I think it's those type of things regularly is just strengthens the bonds between clients and trainers is are you good do you have charisma honestly the charisma thing is probably number one for me you got to have some swag man <laughs> you got to be able to bs shoot the breeze you know be cool be relaxed you know but uh, be personally connected to all your clients in the ways they need you to be connected to you know right just add a little bit of extra in there to make the whole experience worthwhile for them. <laughs> you know, and my hair is a topic of conversation during the <laughs> session. You know, their hair, whatever, who cares? You know, what do you do now to yourself, Darian? I'm like, I don't know. I think about another tattoo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> cares, man. You know, just, it's just being personable, you know. Right. Absolutely. Well, you're definitely personable, that's for sure. And it's, it's led you to have your podcast as well, where you add like another layer of charisma to that. So what was like the whole idea behind like going for the podcast? Man, I love podcasts. I mean, it seems like you like them too. I love them. Yeah. And I, you know, what's funny, you're probably going to relate to this. I, I, I like listening to a lot of podcasts, but like I'm shrinking down my list. And so actually I first started listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. <clears throat> Awesome podcast. And uh, it's, cra it's a crazy podcast, but like it, I, I identified with the long format of mm -hmm. it. I was like, oh, I'm good. I'll listen to this two, three hour conversation. And because I got a lot of time, I've scripted my life where I, I have more time to be able to do that stuff. 
And I just like that he was talking to physicists, you know, um, life extension people, MMA fighters, basketball, whatever, just anybody. A lot of scientists, though, I thought was interesting. And I just thought it was just a conversation. I was like, I could do this. Right. I do this. I do this all the time. I literally every week, I probably have six or seven 40 to 50 minute phone calls with random people I've never met just through LinkedIn every yeah. single week. That's in addition to my podcast that I do two or three episodes a week. I just like talking to people. And I say, you know what? These conversations are gold that I'm having with people. I need to make a podcast out of these. So I literally just created the podcast and said, instead of having these phone conversations all the time, they're going to be podcast conversations instead. And, and then, like I said, I still do have other ones, other offline conversations, but I said, I'm just going to turn my normal networking into podcasting. And, and because I network so much, I always have so much content constantly coming through because I have like a never ending stream of guests. Literally. It's just like constant because right. I know a lot of people. You know, so it's just like going and going, you know, so. How do you make um, those connections? Like you're, I mean, you're, you said you like have six or seven of these conversations. mm -hmm. Like I'm I'm trying to conceptualize how, like what. You want the secret? (laughs) I would love the secret. (laughs) I'm going to share the secret with you. This is big news, man. So (laughs) I created a strategy years ago for creating connections on LinkedIn. I think it's pretty simple. I think you're going to write it down, aren't you? I see it. (laughs) It's so simple that it's ridiculous. I use the LinkedIn app. I don't go on. I go on the uh, browser sometimes, but mainly the app. And I do a city by city search of people that are in health and wellness. So when I first started years ago, let's say when I was in Vegas for 15 years, my main objective was to know almost every single health and fitness professional in Las Vegas. Like, how am I going to do that? So I use LinkedIn because most of them are on LinkedIn. So I typed in Las Vegas in the browser and on the app and fitness or Las Vegas personal trainer. This is the secret right here. I'm telling you. And I would click it and it would bring up every single person in Las Vegas that was listed as a trainer, any type of fitness. And I literally just, connection request every single person every single person wow. and whoever got back to me i sent them a personal message which which is always like i still do it till today thanks for connecting with me i really appreciate it um i hope you're doing really well and then i would spend the time looking at their profile and seeing if there's something interesting that i wanted to kind of highlight like oh i see you train at so-and-so place tell me how you started there and then I would say hit send. And I would do that for every single person. And then when they get back to me, they're like, oh yeah, I like, I like working in this place. Oh, I'm not a huge fan of it. And then it just create conversation. And then I'd go, you know, we need to further this conversation by getting on the phone. So, uh, you know, I would get, I would have to probably do like in the early days, 60 connections to get two or three phone calls. Because right. a lot of people don't get back to you. They just don't get back to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's garbage. It's, it's a real terrible thing about technology. People have the power of connection, but don't get back to each other. And the, the more people I started connecting with, I would, like in Vegas, I would go visit their gyms, 
I would go chat with them. I'd host events at their places. And then uh, when I moved from Vegas, I had a huge network already. And then after that, I just started, I did this in every city. I would go to like Boise, Idaho online. I would go to like Miami. I would type in New York City. Literally, I would just look on a map and just pick a city. And I would focus on that city for an entire week and find people in that city. That's the secret. It was a city by city SWAT patrol, <laughs> like find people mission every week. Shoot. And that's literally what I did. And now I do it in different countries more than now I'm more like, okay, Iceland. Now it's like Germany. Uh, I just had somebody on a podcast from South Korea and uh, Seoul. So I just go to different cities across the world now. And I find people who work in the business. And the great thing about podcasting is that when you ask somebody to be on your podcast, they almost never say no. They right. almost, everybody's addicted to being on some sort of media, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Every, everyone even, wants to be famous. <laughs> right. Even if, even if your podcast is like nothing, it's reaching nobody, they still think it's a huge thing in some okay. level. And then people are so nervous to be on. They're like, Oh no, I'm not used to being on this. I'm like, it's just a conversation. It's totally fine. And, um, you know, mine, I just started it back in, back in May. It's not like I've been doing it forever. Right. But I just produce so much content that it's, it's, it's picked up pretty quickly because I'm always putting out content every Monday and Thursday in a brand new interview. It's fresh, man. <laughs> you know, so. Love it. Yeah, I keep seeing those posts, you know, like number. Oh, number, yeah. Number, number 40. Today, number 40 came out today, man. You know? Perfect. I got I to gotta go listen to all these. I mean, honestly, everybody who's listening right now, uh, the doc, what is it? Dr. D's podcast. That's, that's the name of it. It's, Dr. D's social network. Yep. Dr. D's social mm -hmm. network. It's just, it, it's mm -hmm. a great, great podcast. It's because it's all Thank you. conversation. There's no end goal. There's no structure, which is like, I know we talked about it briefly before we hopped on was just there. There's so many podcasts with so much structure in it. You can tell, like you can, just you can tell, tell. it's not genuine. And I don't know. I just, I love doing it organic. I mean, every time I go into a conversation or interview, it's like, I always like to have a couple, like for, you know, that's, I asked you, I asked you in the beginning, yeah. like, okay, is there a specific way you want me to intro you? So yeah. I, you know, specific points I can kind of go back on, or I ask guests like, oh, what are two to three pieces of value that I can kind of circle around? But outside of that, I mean, it's like, I just go. There's been episodes where I asked for what kind of value can you provide? And I didn't ask a single thing about them. Yeah. It's just gone a completely different direction. Yeah. No, I think, I think you just got to let it be what it's going to be <clears throat> when you're doing it. Like I will try out a lot of podcasts to so like people send me, I'll listen to this podcast, that podcast. And it just, it feels too mechanical to me. And it's like, you know, the guest has something interesting to say. And I think you got to listen to what they're saying and then go, if it's something really like interesting, it's like, man, I want to, I want to learn more about that, but I don't want to be constrained by time. Right. Because I've been on podcasts where like, they tell me it's going to be 25 minutes and you know, there's some really good information we're discussing and they move on to the next question immediately because they have to get to the next question. Right. It's just You're missing. so many golden nuggets I get missed. That's why I love the conversation. Cause I mean, all of it, like the first couple interviews I did was very, very structured. Mm -hmm. There'd be things that I want to talk about in those questions, but I, you know, I, before I had it where it was like a 20 or 30 minute inter like conversation. And then I'd have to, I'd have to go to the next question. I'm like, I, I want to learn more about that though. 
But then I realized like nobody really cares. You put your own structure on it. You do what you want. So then that's why, you know, now my the longest one I've had is like an hour and a half. I, I just go. Yeah. Yeah. You just go. Yeah. I, I'm similar. I, you know, some people I know when to stop it. I'm like, you know, sometimes you have 45 minutes, 50 minutes. I've had two hours. It just depends, you know, like it's like, what are they giving me also, you know? Mm-hmm. And they got, if they're giving me a lot, then we're going to keep going. If they're keeping it kind of closed off a little bit, then I'm going to shorten it up. You know, yeah. if they're not going to give me a lot of information and expand upon it, then it's not going to be as long. doesn't mean it's not going to be good. It's just what they're doing. But I really don't know where it's leading for me, honestly. I don't have any like notion of like, this is my brand and this is where I'm going with it. And I want to get all these sponsors. I really don't know. I just, I just want to keep putting out good content and I want more people to listen and whatever comes from that comes from that. I have no clue what that will be. We'll see. Right. I love that. That's kind of like where I'm at too. Cause I know I, I have the podcast. I mean, there's a whole structure to it. It's a you know brand, you know, the young, healthy, wealthy. It's about talking yeah. what makes you healthy, what makes you wealthy in all aspects of life. But outside of that, there's no, at least for the podcast itself, there's no like real angle. It's all, I yeah. really just want to connect with people and I want to, you know, have people who listen to it be able to get as much value as they can so they can apply it to their life as well. There's no yeah. like, oh, I'm doing this so that I can meet so-and-so and then have this deal. No, and it's, it, what happens happens. Like, that's one thing I've learned. Yeah. About, I mean, I'm only 22, but you know, one thing I've learned is that you can't focus too much on the how, like it, the how is going to work itself out. You just yeah. have to go. That's very, uh, that's good wisdom for a 22 year old. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> well, it's true. Like, I mean, nobody knows where things lead. You know, I think if you're going to it, like, Hey, I'm going in to get like 10 sponsors and, you know, I want to interview a really famous person or something like mine's like the opposite. Like if it became big and it was like a monetization thing, fine, that's great. But it's not my focus. I actually focus on interviewing people who don't have a platform. I like it. That's like my one thing is I have a lot of like luxury clients that I could be interviewing some people who are very well known, but I purposely don't talk to them on my, do my podcast with them because they have a platform. They already have a stage. You know, I think the people who don't have a voice, I want to help them propel their business. So for me, almost 95% of my podcast guests are first time podcast guests like they've never wow. done a podcast really ever brand new fresh off the the dock they're like have no clue what to do and i'm like we're just talking just just, we're just having a conversation act like you're on the phone with me and there's it's not being recorded just act like it's that that's what it is right <laughs> you know that's crazy I didn't realize like all those people hadn't, you know, the majority haven't been on another podcast before. That's, that's, that's another element of just what makes the show really cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally search for people who haven't had really any podcast experience or maybe they listen and they never saw themselves being on a podcast. Right. And, you know, I, I think I have people like they're scared to share the podcast with other people. Like when it comes out, they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know if you experience this. People go, ah, oh, I don't want to listen to my episode. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had that yet. I, really? Everybody I've had on is like, you know, everybody I've had on pretty much has their own uh, platform or they're yeah. well known within their own industry or whatever. So they're willing to yeah. share it. 
Yeah, they want to share it. Yeah. yeah, they want to share what they have to say. But um, yeah, I haven't really had anybody who's just anti-share. Like, oh, I don't <laughs> know. Like, what will people, what will people say about it? I yeah, yeah. So far, has been like, yeah, look what I just did. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So we have we definitely have the opposite because my folks are like, oh, <laughs> uh, I don't see them sharing it. But then again, I'm not on social media except for LinkedIn, so I don't know. Right. I really don't know where my podcast goes. I mean, I have it. It goes to all the major outlets, but like beyond that, I have no clue where the guests share it, what they do with it. It's extremely grassroots, but it has a very good following uh, that I don't really know a lot about, you know, right. where it's going. But I think for a lot of people, it's there. It's become about storytelling. My podcast has become a serious storytelling thing. Like we just had a lady on Carolyn Brunson who she contacted me because she wanted to tell her near death experience story. And oh, she's wow. in fitness, but she happens to be in fitness. So she's like, well, I, I'm sure I'm kind of fit your, I was like, well, honestly, fitness is just the beginning. It's just the beginning for me. Right. Like I'm willing to literally talk about anything. I mean, I want to have police officers on. I mean, I'll have strippers on. I don't care, man. <laughs> like I'm literally going to go as far as I can take it. You know, I'm having, I'm going to do an episode about psychedelics. I just did one where I talked about my experience with it. I have no shame. I will talk about anything. I keep it very transparent. I'm an open book. I don't care. You know? And I expect my guests to be the same. I want them to be open. I want them, as I listen, if you're ashamed of things you've done, I, I get it. But you know, if you don't want to share it, don't share it. But don't talk to me about it. Like that, that's a big thing in your life. And then you don't want to talk to me about it. <laughs> like, because that stuff helps other people. You, your story of heartbreak they're not alone and i think that's a big part of it so we're kind of the transparency podcast as well it's like you're gonna hear some crazy stuff man like some really crazy stuff <laughs> like, i'm excited i'm excited actually that's a really good point that you brought up is that you know all these people who they don't want to share their story but they don't realize the value behind that story mm -hmm. I, I had an interview with um uh, millennial motivational speaker, Andy Alday, awesome, awesome dude. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, very easy to talk to. Obviously he's a speaker, so he, he knows how to speak. Mm -hmm. But one of the things was that he said on the show, he's like, you know, Chase, you know, th there's a reason why people listen to your show and they don't, you know, they might not listen to my stuff and it's because they resonate with you. You know, I can go speak to an audience and have five people get up and just be like, you motivated me. And you could go speak to the same audience and have five completely different people stand up and say, you motivated me. And it's all because we all have different stories and you're going to affect different people in different ways based off of, you know, what you went through, what you went through. And by just talking about it, you don't even, like, it's not even like telling them the solution to their problems, but it's telling them that you went through the same thing. It's like almost like a form of closure for others. Like, Oh, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It, those have been some of my best episodes when people bear their soul and they really put it out there about their experiences with other people with suicide and depression and all that. The universal things for people, you know, sadness, happiness and all that, marriage, children, all those things, I think, get lots of big hits for people because it's fairly common. I actually have tons of young people on too, like millennial age people. Because I, I identify a lot with millennials in sense of like, I remember being that age and the struggles of that time, even though it's different, it's still the same. And I have gotten so, I've had many 
um, people your age on the show who are literally just becoming personal trainers or they're in their senior year of college. And I think some people think, why would you interview somebody who they haven't done anything? I'm like, that's the point. <laughs> they haven't done anything. I, I think there's a lot of value in not having experience. And the best is when people who are like 23 talk to me in my podcast about how scared they are about going into the world and having a job and not being on their parents' health insurance anymore at some point. And having to, as you say, adult adulting, you know, and <laughs> being a grown up, the fear of being a grown up, man, that's gold. I think that's great because there's a lot of people going through it. And so just because they haven't accomplished anything in people's mind, I think that they're in, they're in the launching pad, man. That's yeah. an awesome place to be, like your life in front of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've realized, you know, for these past couple of years, one of the things that really held me back from doing a lot of, you know, just the podcast alone, or, you know, maybe uh, I also have like, you know, I, do, I, I think I told you I do personal training in person. I also do it online. Uh, yeah. A lot of that was just, I was very scared to go anywhere because I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I was yeah. know, going into a work because I mean, in college, you know, they say like, oh, you're you're in the real, you're not in the real world. You're in another no. in college. Like it's, it's an, it's an extended no. safety bubble from high school. You're just <laughs> that's right. somewhere else. Like that's the <laughs> only thing, but like it, it's, it's a, it's a scary jump and something it's, uh, it's something I'm not very scared of anymore just from doing the podcast and how launching yeah. it and then going and actually getting a job while, you know, finishing out college. I'm not too scared of it anymore, but it's yeah. I know a lot of my friends here struggle with, they don't want to go into the real world. They're like, oh, I'm not ready for it. Yeah, I don't know. What yeah, I don't know. I don't do my taxes. I, you know, I, I gotta yeah. support myself. It's a scary. It's a scary point of life. That you know. Yeah. I think that a lot of young people are almost criticized for having that kind of mentality. Like, oh, you yeah. Ready? He's like, well, I'm not. Like, I don't. I don't know what's going on. And you know, it's 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 tough. I mean, eventually you gotta make the leap. You gotta go yeah. and do your thing. Yeah. But you know, there is an awareness to that. All right. I don't know where I was going with all that, but I, I no, no, it was good. I, <laughs> I just, a lot of people I talk to have that feeling. And so I actually purposely reach out to people on LinkedIn who have very little following. It's like funny, man, because you really? have like, you know, 30 connections and I'm all pumped about it. I'm like, Oh, and you know what? I find the people who have smaller level of connections will get back to you much quicker. Oh, Whereas yeah. you see that 500 plus on there for a lot of people, they're too big. They have too many connections and they just, they don't see the value in talking to you or they're so, Oh, you know, I just, they're inundated with so many requests and people that they just, they forget to get back to you. Uh, I, this is honest truth. I have like almost 16,000 connections on LinkedIn. Do I talk to all these people? No, of course not. And some <laughs> people are going, well, that's not very personal daring. You have all these people. Yeah. But I've reached out to almost every single one of them and at least have sent something to them. Whether they get back to me, that's not on me. I did my part. I sent it out to almost every single person that's in that. But I always make the time to get back to every single person. But I've learned that I would much rather generally have somebody on my podcast who is less known. It feels more authentic to me. I don't want to have somebody on my podcast who talk to me constantly about their, ne their next million dollar business you know, I've done all the, oh man, I'm so famous. I've done this and that. I'm like, 
people need a voice. The people who don't have the platform, how do they get a platform? They need somebody who has a platform to believe in them. Right. To give them an opportunity. You know, it's like, it's like saying you go to a job and say, well, we can't hire you because you don't have any experience. How the hell are you supposed to get experience without doing it? <laughs> I'm like, somebody has to help you. Somebody has to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help give you a voice. I like to be that person for people. I love that. I love that viewpoint. You know, that's a good point too, because I know just within the uh, kind of like the nouveau rich entrepreneurship community, mm-hmm. with a lot of the podcasts there, it's, it's all the same people. They're just on rotation. So I know it is. For me, like for one thing is like I've, I've, I've kind of taken more of an initiative to just find people that I haven't seen on podcasts or, you know, mm-hmm. have, they have their own right. They're doing well in their own space. But yeah. they're not as well, you know, actually, no, I am going down that route now where I'm just starting to reach out to people who are, they're killing it. Maybe they are well known, but maybe not in the podcasting sphere. You know, yeah. Like, you know, cause those people need a voice too. So it's, mm-hmm. I love what you're doing. It's introducing new people into the social realm and giving them a way, you know, because if they like it, then like, oh, like, this is really cool. I actually had a guest, uh, one of my earlier guests, um, Curtis Green, he had never been on a podcast before. He came online. He said he loved it. And he wanted to do more. Now he's got a voice. Now he's been on a couple podcasts since then. Yeah, like it's a, it's a, it's a launching pad. Like, it's a launching pad. Yeah, every like when I go on to different podcasts, I make sure to share it with other people who have been on my podcast. I'm like, do you want to do another one of these? And I say, yeah. Oh, I might say, oh my, my guy Chase, he has one. He might, he might consider it. You know, or <laughs> Amy Waterman, the love and dating one. I did. The only reason why I had her on my podcast is because I was on hers. Oh, okay. and but hers has a big life cycle. Like, like I did it, and it doesn't come out for two months. She's like, "Yeah, it's, I got a huge law line of people." Like, yeah, it's gonna be like two months till your episode comes out. I was like, "Well, yours is gonna be like a week." <laughs> Mine comes out. I got a lot of people, but I don't want to wait that long to get somebody's content out. But like, I send and I'll send people her way. I'm like, "Hey, you know, she has a love and dating." like YouTube based show type of thing, but she wants health and fitness people on too, you know? So I think we just got to help each other. If, if you want to be on podcasts more often, you know, you just got to network with other podcasters and mm-hmm. say, hey, let's trade or, you know, let me introduce you to this person and be on their show. You never know where that hits. Never know. Right. No, that's huge. That is you know, so, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Oh yeah. I, I have like three podcast appearances I have coming up. And they're all like very different. One's like, I'm an, it's like an entrepreneurial podcast. Right. It's like one of those 25 minutes based one. Um, and then I'm trying to think what the next one is. I can't remember. Uh, I'm, but they're all very different. Right. You know, and it's just, it's just content. For me, it's just more content. Hey, I was on this podcast. Check this out. And then it leads back to my podcast. Right. <laughs> you know exactly yeah yeah i've been I on like a couple it, it, it's it's fun being on other people's podcasts it's I, great i, I like it <laughs> i'm always asking questions but then it's like okay i get to talk a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah when i'm on when i do mine i try to like be as quiet as much as possible oh yeah and really like deep listen and then think and go okay i heard something i'm gonna come back to that i'm gonna like really come back to that you know yeah, I can't remember what book I read, but um, I mean, I read books all the time. I, you can't, no, you can't see it in the video, but I've got like, yeah. a whole stack of like a hundred books behind me. Um, one of them that I read was talking about, you know, the best way to have a conversation is to listen. 
one of the best ways to listen is it like you're just it's active listening waiting you hear like one word or one inflection in someone's voice like oh boom that's a point that i can dig deeper in that's something that it's a skill that not a lot of people have that i've found oh no it's learning it's a difficult skill like why i like is funny is like my podcast guests are like give me because now i'm like friends with them i can't help it like everybody i have on my show i end up having like these long texts together and stuff and then oh let's have another phone call together and and um they'll like give me feedback like you're getting better at this all the time <laughs> like <laughs> your listening skills are just getting incredible like you just deep listening you're doing and then the question that comes i'm like that's good i need that i like to get that feedback you know it's i don't know how i'm doing i think i'm doing okay i like you it. know but yeah <laughs> yeah but you never know i mean it's just podcasts are so there's so many podcasts now Oh, there's so many. I didn't realize you know, there's, the it's now. huge. It's a huge industry now. There's 550,000 podcasts. But the staggering thing is only 40% of them or so are actually updated regularly. Right. So yeah. there's a lot of dead podcasts out there. It's like a graveyard of dead podcasts. Oh, it's nuts. I think, uh, what's the term? The, the, the official term is they pod fade. Pod fade? <laughs> I never heard that. Yeah. I, I can't remember what... Um, I was looking up statistics for podcasts because I just, I wanted to know. And yeah. it was saying that like, you know, co- kind of close to your numbers too, is like 50 to 75% of podcasts pod fade after like <laughs> seven episodes. Cause like seven, seven. <laughs> I know I'm like seven. Really? That's like a it's week. Nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, so it's <laughs> nothing. It's crazy. Seven? It's like, I think one of the things that a lot of podcasters, they don't take into account is like how long it takes to grow. Because yeah, I mean, yeah. even with the, yeah, my show, like I've done, um, this will be your episode right here is going to be forty, I think, forty. I think yeah. this one is forty. So yeah, I mean, I've I've been I've I've done it for a while, but it's not like anything crazy like Joe Rogan, who's done thousands of podcasts. Yeah, yeah, thousands. But he, you know, he's Joe Rogan, so he's huge. But he's done thousands. He's put in the reps, and a lot of people they get into like <laughs> four, and they're like, why don't I have a hundred thousand followers yet? I'm like, <laughs> Oh. No, no one knows about the podcast four <laughs> episodes like you put in the reps so then they all you quit ca- man chase you totally like almost word for word said what i told a couple people the other day really they're like what are you gonna do like how are you gonna make your podcast big i'm like first of all i have no clue if it's gonna become big i really have no clue right I said but if i want to maximize it i just got to put in the reps i literally said that i said put in the reps. just like exercise i just got it's just repetitions man I was like, you just, you just come in, you do the reps, you release, try to release at least once a week. I do twice a week, just put in the reps and buy, and you're going to turn around and you'll have a hundred episodes. Oh yeah. You'll have a hundred. Like I'm on, I just released 40, but I have like 50 something in the hole. Totally. Total. No, I mean, not like total, sorry, like 12 in the hole. Oh, like, so it's going to be like, no, 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 no. So it's going to be like 53. Okay. Coming up. And by the time the end of the year is going to come, I'll probably be at like 70, 75. Right. You know, like probably every year my goal is to kind of be in the 75 to 80 episodes a year. Now, if I do that for 10 years, I'm going to have Rogan level, at least numbers of podcasts Oh yeah. over time. If you do something for 10 years and you do it well, it's going to catch somewhere. It's okay. going to catch. They're going to be like, because it'll, st- it'll look so weird. They'll be like, really? This guy has 500 episodes? How? <laughs> like, people will be, like, amazed by that. 
They'll be no, like, but you hey, know what? Listen, really good. <laughs> yeah, like you have forty. I have forty. It just released. And nobody's like, oh, that, there's forty episodes. That's like crazy. Like, you got to get in the hundreds, man. You got to start really pushing those big numbers of consistency. I th- I believe then that's when people are like, this is a serious deal because people are looking for you to pod fade. I guess yeah. that's what's going yeah. on. <laughs> this seven episode thing freaking me out though, man. It's like wild. that's like not even trying. People quit so easy. It's nuts. I wonder why they quit. Like, what is? What do you think it is? Like that? There. It's it's all like, I think it has to do. Uh, are you you familiar with the term? Um, oh man, I already forgot the term. Oh, shiny object syndrome. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think it's a whole thing of that, and it's a you know, uh, it's it's a new level of impatience mixed with shiny object syndrome. They think like mm. these big podcasters like Joe Rogan or whoever else is out there. Um, yeah. Andy Frizzella, Ed Milet, you know, those types of people. And they go, oh, like, they they have this kind of level. I can do that, too. And then they go in a couple episodes, like, oh, man, this is a lot of work. And I don't have that many. I have, like, 10 people listening to my episodes. <laughs> I'm done. I'm like, I didn't hit 10 people an episode until about episode, um, oh, no, I did pretty, I, I scaled pretty fast. Never mind. It was like a couple episodes. <laughs> it's like never mind. Five or six. I, I, you know, it was five yeah. or six where it was just nothing. Yeah. Now, you know, I've, I've gotten a solid following. Yeah, so I it, have the it same thing. It a long but time. And it even takes then, it's, it's going to take a long time after that. It's going to take time. You know, you're getting 30, 40 people regularly, and then it just spreads one by one. You know, think Joe Rogan, he started out in his house on a laptop. Yeah. With a microphone, crazy. probably a beat up my old microphone. The quality is right. not that good. And he did the thing that, people aren't willing to do. They're not, they're not willing to grind. They're not willing to just every week put, you know, find people, get some people. That's what I think a lot of people, because a lot of people want to do guests. They want to have interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. One, that's not for everybody. You have to have a good interview style with people. You have to know how to keep conversation flowing. If you're stuck at that in regular life, you're not going to be good at it in a podcast. Right. But you got it. Just like I do with connections. I go to city to city, find people. Same thing with podcasting. I do the same thing, except now I have my podcast as ammunition when I contact people. Oh, I like that you, I reached out to a guy who was uh, big in the real estate in Dallas, Texas. I mean, you know, I don't know anything about it, but it looks like he's, he's real estate and investment. And he's like buying up a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I got to figure out what this guy's doing. I don't know. I just had a feeling. So I asked him, hey, man, this could be a good topic on my show you know, we'll riff on it. And he goes, Oh, I would love to be on your podcast. People rarely turn down an opportunity to be on your podcast. Tell, I've had like maybe two people out of like hundreds of people I've asked. I'm like, they're like, Oh no, no, I I'm scared. I don't want to do it. Right. But beyond that, most people want to talk about what they're up to. It's pretty natural to talk about yourself. Oh, people and love talking about themselves. They love it. Yeah. And then once you put it out, they're like, Oh man, my mom listened to it. Or, you know, my friends <laughs> and stuff, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, mini celebrity aspect to it you know and and uh that's that's just fun for me to um do that but i'm sure like you know i I have no plans to stop i have tons of content and i'm sure if i just stay consistent something good's gonna happen i have no clue what that is (laughs) but you gotta something good process you gotta trust the process and you gotta think there's people who are out there watching you in your podcast listening and they're waiting to see if you're going to pod fade, apparently, you know? Yeah. There may be some person out there who goes, you know what? I want to invest in this show. 
but I want to, it's really good, but he doesn't have much juice right now with listeners, like numbers wise, you know? Right. Yeah. And that person may be saying, they just need to get to like episode 100, 150, and then I'll really think about talking to them about something. I don't know. That could be happening right now. I have no clue. Well, I actually had, um, you know, I'm not naming names, but I had someone where I reached out to them and um, like they had a quota where they're like, yeah, you know, like uh, I can tell you're ambitious. You're, you know, you, you've got the right structure and everything, but you don't have a solid following yet. So yeah, uh, once you hit this many listeners and this many episodes and we can talk. Yeah. But you know, once I, once I hit that point, I know I can go back to him and be like, Hey, yeah, come on my show. And it might be a yes. Who knows? So that's the one you thing never I know. Know other people struggle with is getting the guests on and then having to deal with the rejection, like getting the, no. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. How do you, how do you deal with those no's? Cause you said you've gotten a couple. I just, yeah. But you know, they haven't been like, I just don't like your show. It hasn't been that okay. it's, it's all like, I'm nervous to be on a podcast. Like, I don't know, like, like they, they're just, they're just nervous. It's more of, they're just nervous about it. Right. Or they were like, well, I do this and I don't know, like, Maybe they don't want somebody to know that they're talking frankly about certain subjects, you know, because I, you know, I approach a lot of subjects. Like if somebody, we'll get into weed, man, we'll get into psychedelics, we're getting into like all types of stuff. And maybe they don't want their employer to know that they, you know, partake in that or that they, you know, they've, they've, they've researched it, whatever. And I'm like, that's fine. It's no big deal. You know, I, I totally get that. But if somebody was to say, I, you know, I just, I, your show's garbage, I'd be like, well, okay, that's okay. I mean, you know, it's not for everybody. I mean, you know, but I do know that most of my guests say that my podcast is very conversational and they like that better than, I do have a few seasoned podcasts, people who are on, on shows all the time. And they always tell me that they like mine quite a bit because most of the other shows are just too structured like we talked about before. It's right. just, it just feels, and they feel like the host is very rigid. And as a host, you can't be rigid. You have to be very chill about what mm-hmm. you're doing. And you can't look like you're thinking about what you're, what you're going to say all the time and stuff. You just got to let it flow, man. You know, mm-hmm. I've asked some dumb questions. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, it's just like... Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the conversation. Yeah, I've taken over a couple of my podcasts for a while. I'm like, you know what? I'm st- I'm speaking now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it, I know it's you're the guest, but uh, here's what I got to say. <laughs> well, there it's a conversation. I never say it's an interview. Right. That would mean that I'm just spending all of my time asking them questions, and listen. I do listen deeply, but there are certain parts where I feel like I have to insert myself into it. Mm-hmm. And to explain maybe further their point from my perspective. Hmm. So interesting. I got to give stories. I tell stories. Yeah. Right. Uh, something really interesting, at least for me, popped out right there is that you, when you approach somebody, you don't, you don't ask them to come on for an interview. You ask them to come on for a conversation. I like that. Yeah. It's just a discussion. We don't, I said, you want to, let's just come on. You want to be on the show and it's just a discussion it's a conversation we're going to have because interview makes it sound formal to a lot of people right. they're like oh i need to brush up like automate all of my answers yeah you know that's why people want the questions because they want to be able to rehearse their answers and just spit it out like it's a test or something right i'm like no just whatever you say is going to be what it's going to be you know and every once in a while i have people go 
I can't believe I said some of the things I said on there. I just, I'm like, it's no big deal. Honestly, you were just in the moment. Just let it flow. And guess what? So many people are so inundated with what's going on in their lives. They don't really care that much about the thing you said. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Oh, I love you said that. I love it. I had a podcast episode about that very thing. And it's, um, so I'm in a fraternity too. And one of the things for Mm -hmm. our fraternity is that we, uh, like the, the, you know, the pledge brothers, we have them interview the brothers just so they can get to know the brothers so that, you know, if they make it through, then, you know, they have a solid friendship with the people in the fraternity already. And, um, one question I get a lot from, you know, just from being in there for a couple of years, is, you know, what would your best piece of advice be for, you know, a pledge coming in? And usually they're looking for like, you know, something that has to do with partying or girls or college. Or yeah. Whatever. I give, I've been giving them this and like, it, it gives them a little bit of like a weird look. Cause they're like, Oh, that's negative, but it's yeah. really positive. And it's that it along kind of those lines, no one cares. No one cares about you. Nobody cares what you're doing. Nobody cares what you've done. Nobody cares what you're going to do. And it's based off of this because you have these 1% moments with people where they'll support you or they'll hate on you. It doesn't matter what you do. You'll always have supporters and haters in those 1% moments. 99% of the time, they're worried about their 1% moments of what other people are thinking about them. Yeah. I tell them, like, take that 90%, 99% of where you're worrying about what other people think and use that as fuel. Use that to better yourself. Yeah. That to, you know, like one of my things is 1% better every damn day. Yeah. Use that time to better yourself. Because, I mean, yes, people care about you on an emotional level, of course. You know, I sure. My friends, I care about my family, of course. But it ultimately comes down to nobody is really – a hundred percent of the time watching and caring <laughs> exactly like nobody like it's everybody's so focused on themselves so that that's like yeah. the whole message behind that it's like it's supposed to be po- it sounds very negative up front but it's sure. very very positive it is well it's just like you come on a show and let's say you say something like that was my thing i was like i'm gonna speak about you know psychedelics weed anything that seems controversial and I've said some crazy stuff, honestly. I said a few things. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> and some people have said some crazy stuff on the show. And they go, oh, man. I said, I said, you know what? You know how much effort it takes for somebody to listen to like an hour and a half conversation, oh, pick so out a tiny thread of what you said that they didn't like, and then spend the time to contact you and then get upset with you? Are you kidding me? <laughs> people can't even make their bed in the morning. You think they're going to spend all that time doing that? I was like, you don't have an overflated sense of like where you think you are in the cosmos. Like people are caught up in the whirlwind. They're going to, it's very rare for that. To have somebody who's like that crazy about something you said. I'm like, unless you said something like really egregious, which nobody says. It's just, if it's your life and what you went through, it's your experience. How can somebody be upset about your experience? about it like oh i'm so upset that this person is having an existential crisis about their gender i'm gonna be so upset i'm gonna contact no like you're good that's one of my things i want to have some transgendered guests on you know i want to have that whole deal and i want them to speak about it honestly and not worry about it right like there's tons of podcasts there's tons of things that are more controversial honestly than Mm -hmm. what you're gonna tell me right (laughs) and that have more coverage on the news than I'll ever be able to get for you. So don't look at this ain't CNN here. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't Fox News. This is Dr. D's social network, a startup podcast 
yes, I have a lot of connections, but it doesn't mean they all like listen to it. <laughs> you know, like, right. I mean, even the people who I like would say are super fans of my podcast, they don't listen to every episode. They're like, oh man, I got to get caught up on these next episodes. I'm, I was so busy. Exactly. Case in point. Even the people <laughs> who are listening to it constantly can't listen that much all the time. <laughs> right. Because life happens. They're busy. You know, it's just, it's just the nature of how things are. So I was like, don't worry about it. Let it go. My favorite, though, is when people come on and they're like, can I curse on here? I'm like, you can say whatever you want. You can literally say whatever you want. I, do, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to edit it, just so you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And he, they start getting loose and they start throwing the F-bombs around. I'm like, yeah, go for it, man. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going to throw a couple in there, too, just to do it. You know? <laughs> like, I'll join in with you. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, We'll see what happens, you know, like. Would love to get like a detective or something like an undercover cop. Oh, that'd be cool. Wouldn't that be a good episode? Like be a really good episode. Trying to get like, like into the mind of an undercover, like yeah, stories of what they've done. How deep have you gone undercover? Like, did you have to compromise it some way? You know, it's like I would ask all those questions, man. You know, that's wild. That'd be so cool. I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna figure it out, man. I want to get a sportscaster on, you know, like ESPN, like maybe not a major personality but like you know somebody who's coming up through the ranks on espn like they're mm, okay. i want somebody who's like who's on the sidelines for like sam houston state versus like you know some di other directional school like you know they're nobody <laughs> in right. sports casting like that person probably would talk to me they're like well i'm not really doing much you know type of thing <laughs> like what's that like being on the sidelines what's the craziest thing i got all, i got everything in my mind what i want to talk about dang so you got, I mean, you got everything set up. You're ready to go. You're ready to I'm talk ready. to the world. You go. Awesome. I mean, I'm trying to be on location. I mean, I, I, I want to make it crazy on some level. You know, I, that's why I like Joe Rogan's like, he does stuff on planes and stuff, podcasts on a plane. Really? Yeah. I like his like MMA ones where they're like just drinking, they're getting hammered and they're watching like, <laughs> You know, the one with Elon Musk, I loved it because they were like smoking weed and drinking. Loved it. That was great. I was like, man, this is like, this is like mine. I've, I've been uh, buzzed pretty hard on a couple of my podcasts where I'm just drinking beer and stuff, you know. I'm going to start smoking weed on a couple of them. I just, you know, I'm in Washington. It's a legal state, man. You know, it's right. just, you know, I'm like, uh, maybe I'll take an edible on one of them. You know, I just, I don't care. I'm just push the limit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so funny you bring that up because I had, um, I don't know why I didn't do it, but I had an idea for like an episode series would be uh, Business and Brews where like it's me love and it. a couple other people that I'm associated with and we, we talk about business and life over a couple beers. Yeah. I was like. I think it's great, man. It pushes the mold because everybody's like, it's very rigid, structured, da, da, da. Yeah, but yeah. Man, live a little. Do, you know, have some fun. Yeah. Plus, I think, you know, getting some opinions out over, you know, a little inebriation would be really funny. Oh, it's great. <laughs> It'd be totally great, man. I actually, a couple of my good friends, I've been trying to do a podcast with them and they're like, no, no, it gets too crazy. <laughs> I'm like, that's the point is <laughs> to be messed up a little bit. You know? we need, yeah. <laughs> that's what we need. We need a little party action going on here, you know? So I don't have a lot of good ideas. I think, you know, I, uh, Actually, a couple podcasts ago, I was doing one where I was telling about talking about how I like to take, uh, I like to smoke weed before I work out every once in a while. Okay. And it's, it's a mind trip, man. It's amazing. It's actually amazing. And uh, so 
So I got to figure out where I got to like podcast while I'm working out and like the feeling and stuff. <laughs> like, dude, this is amazing. You know, like oh, <laughs> I have plans, man. Big plans. Muscle fiber. <laughs> I feel it all, man. It's so, I'm so high right now. I just work out, just like, you know, just like I'm willing to go a lot of places, you know, but I'm trying to like be very somewhat conservative entering this first 50. Right. And then the next 50, I'm really trying to like, We'll see what happens. It could push get wild. Local a little bit. I love. Yeah, it. I'm gonna push the envelope, man. You know. I love that. I'm so excited to see where your show goes. <laughs> the hey, you do the business and brews. I definitely have to check that out. I def definitely. definitely. I want to get a brewmaster on too. My show. I want to get some. You know. I think it'd be awesome to talk about. I love beer. I would love to talk about. You know, the brewing process. Why they got into it. You know, just just all those. I have so many things. People I want to talk to. You know. Right. Yeah, there's so many people to talk to in the world. It's nuts. There's I'm so many people to talk to. I'm, I'm getting jacked up. Look at you. You're pumped up right now. I'm, so <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, like, I got a lot to do for this show. There's <laughs> a lot to do, man. I'm telling you, there's some crazy people. I'll send some people your way, man, for sure. Like, so. Oh, yeah. And likewise, yeah. I'll, I'll send you some, uh, some interesting people I've had on the show, too. <laughs> like, really wild. Yeah, man. Good guests are good guests no matter what. I think. And, you know, in different shows, you get it in different angles with people. So, um, yeah, we'll be on the lookout. There's going to be some crazy stuff coming up, man. I can't I got this whole psychedelic it. show coming up. Um, see, that's the other thing with Rogan I like is he talks about it a lot. Oh, yeah. And he's done it. And I'm like, that's just like me. I've done it. I like to talk about it, the research behind it. So I'm trying to get a lot of researchers who are doing research into psychedelics from like John Hopkins and stuff like that. So, right. It's just got to network, got to figure out how to contact these folks, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah, and that, that stuff's wild, like, how how illegal it is, but yet how, like, I, I, the, the only thing that... It's stupid, like, man. The, the thing I have with the psychedelics, it's a good thing, is, like, some of the most influential people throughout history use psychedelics. You got, yeah. um, what was it? Um, you have some of the greatest artists in the world. You had Steve Jobs, microdose. Yeah, all the time. of course. You had so many influential people, they microdosed or they took psychedelics and they were able to perform amazing feats and create yep. pieces of work within, you know, whatever industry they were in. Yeah. And yet it's so highly suppressed. It's, crazy. it's a schedule one drug, which is ridiculous. Just like weed is stupid. It's, mm -hmm. it's just some weird, stupid government thing. A bunch of dudes who don't know anything about it and not understanding that there's significant research it's breaking people of their addictions to hardcore drugs and it's curing PTSD. You know, like in Rogan's show, they talk about MAPS, the MAPS program out in Denver, I think, and stuff. This is great stuff for people who are suffering from chronic illness or anxiety and post-traumatic stress syndrome and who are on like crack, you know, and heroin and stuff. They're breaking these people's addiction through psychedelics, through psilocybin specifically. How's that a bad thing? I don't get it. It's the most non-lethal drug out there, psych uh, psilocybin. It's just foolish. It's old school dinosaur thinking. And it's changing, though. Thankfully, you know, you're going to start seeing clinics pop up throughout, throughout the United States that you can go and get psilocybin basically in pill form and take a trip in a very comfortable setting and doing that. In fact, I'm definitely going to be doing that. You can hear it right here. I will be doing it. <laughs> okay. I have my own business. 
and I and I said this myself, you know, with my business, it's all me reaching out to people and especially my consulting and management. You know, I'm dealing with a lot of people who are older gentlemen, you know, uh, old school guys. And hey, listen, if one of them listens to this and says, you know what, I can't do business with Darian as business partner because he has participated in that. That's fine. I'm okay with that. That. That's like, I still have a great business, but if you want to characterize me because I did something that is actually really good for you, that's on you. That has nothing to do with me. That's everything wrong to do with about how they're approaching it. Get with the research, actually learn. Don't, don't be beholden to like the 1980s or the 70s, 60s. Like that's old school stuff. Up your level to the current level of life, you know? Boom. And that's what I have to say about that. Pow! And I'm running out of time, and I'm sure you are too. All right. So I've got to wrap this baby up. I could talk forever. Oh, I could too. Well, so we'll wrap it up. I got just one last question, and then we're done. You All got right, it? Man. Good? I'm good. Cool. So let's say you were the host of this show, and you mm. were interviewing you. You were interviewing Dr. Darian. What would you ask? Oh, man. You hit me with the mind bomb there, Chase. Boom. <laughs> I think I would ask myself, what are you doing to help more people to become successful? What's the next thing you're going to do to help more people become successful? Because I truly believe when you help other people become more successful than yourself, you are becoming more enlightened as a human being. You're understanding the real purpose of yourself, which is to not to fill your yourself with your own pat on the back, but to pat other people on the back. So I'd ask myself, what, what are you doing? What's next? What's the next thing you're doing to help other people become more successful than you? That's what I would ask. Oh. Pow. What are you doing? <laughs> you have time to answer that question? You gotta yeah, go. yeah. I think the podcast is what I'm doing. And the podcast retreat is what I'm doing. Uh, I mentioned that I think earlier. Is I think that let's say I go into a space and I go, how can I affect that space in a way that hasn't been affected? And so I look at podcasting and I go, well, a lot of people have podcasts and some of them are video on YouTube and stuff. Some of them just audio like mine, but I'm not sure that I'm seeing that there's actual community being created from this in a sense of like a retreat or a community space. That space is online. I want to take it offline and make it in person. So I decided to create Dr. D's social network retreat, which is happening next May. So May, 2020, the 15th to the 17th. It's all people who have been guests on my show. And I just sent out some invitations. And the thing is, it's a rolling invitation because every person that comes on the show gets an invite to. So right. it just keeps going. It's not like it's a one-time thing for me. I keep rolling the invitations as they go. And it's my, it's my attempt at helping other people. If I get conversation with each other, something amazing is going to happen. Something amazing is literally going to change somebody's life there just by getting all these people together who have been on essentially just a talk show essentially with each other. Right. That's the next thing. Boom. I think that's, that's, that's the next thing for this space. In my training space, it's just continue to be a good person to the people I work with and who continue to help support me in my life in a variety of ways. And then in my 
consulting and manager business, the next way is just continuing to get business that helps employ people, to hire people to work in fitness facilities across the United States, actually more of the West Coast, and to give them opportunities to have a good job. So all those things for me are focused, I try to be on other people and their success. And their success becomes my success as well with that. So that's the focus, you know. Boom. I love that. I love Boom. the mission behind that. I have a very similar mission. I know you're running out of time. Awesome. So I'm going to go into it. But very similar mission. Dr. Parker, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If anybody wants to reach out to you, how do they do so? Just uh, LinkedIn is the best because I don't have other social media. I really don't yeah. like a lot of the other social media. I really don't. And that's a whole nother thing. But <laughs> if you listen to my podcast, you will hear me talk about it many times. <laughs> but on LinkedIn, just Darian Parker on there. I don't know how many there are, but I'm on there. You can find me. Um, or just, you know, Dr. D's social network. Uh, on It's on every major podcast outlet, but Apple iTunes is generally the most popular. And so if you just search for that in there, you will find mine and you'll see a gold rush of content of crazy people, amazing, beautiful human beings. And you'll hear our conversations. And it's really not about reaching out to me, but reaching out to these people who are do I'm doing amazing things in their lives. So, Boom. Y'all heard it. Go connect with Dr. Parker on LinkedIn. Go listen to his podcast. And until next time, stay healthy, get wealthy. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show. My name is Chase Henderfit. I am your host. And if you have any questions at all, feel free to DM me on Instagram at Chase underscore Henderfit. And I have one favor to ask. Please just share this episode with one person. You never know who it could help impact. And if you share it on your Instagram story, I'll repost it on mine. So until next time, stay healthy, get wealthy.